This week's episode is brought to you by the Talk Buster podcast. Every episode, Chris Chipman and a guest reminisce of their time working for Blockbuster. Now, even if you've never worked for a Blockbuster, I guarantee you'll find the stories both hilarious and relatable. One of my personal favorite stories was when he had a guest retelling his time of working at a porn shop the day before Christmas when they were just packed to the gills. So, listen to the Talk Buster podcast on all your favorite platforms today. Welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Lord Commander Ulrich, and with me as always is... Is Shield Brother, Axel Wright. How's it going today, man? Uh, not well. I have a headache, my back hurts, and I'm in generally not a great mood. So I'll try to pick it up, but, you know, how are you doing? Uh, I'm actually off there. I had a pretty good day. I mean, the weather's been nice. Still can't go anywhere because we're all quarantined, but the weather's nice, so that's been good. Uh, yeah, we're moving on to the people that like us so much they give us money to continue making this crazy project. They are Pam Galley, Marky, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Reed D, Arthur Crane, and Kevin, we don't know how to pronounce your last name because you still haven't told us. Now, if you'd like to join that illustrious legion, just head on over to patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields. For only 25 cents an episode, you help press produce this podcast week to week, and you get access to a bevy of great content. So... This week's guest, it's been a long time since we've had him on, but welcome back to the podcast, Woonvog. Hello again. And finally, Ulrich spelt it right in the show notes. Prophecies are aligning. Now, we know we haven't had you on in a long while, but, you know, next time you won't take beer from the fridge. Well, the, I still feel it was a little unnecessary pushing me in there and leaving me there for, you know, several months, but... Hey, the crime fits the punishment. Well, uh, I'd say I haven't missed much from, uh, from everyone being stuck inside anyway. Yeah, you're ahead of the curve. <laughs> so the last time we had Wundvog on, generally when we have Wundvog on, we like to talk about cartoons because it's uh, one of his preferred subjects. And uh, last time we made some exceptions uh, when we were talking about the channels we looked at. We would talk about like live-action shows. Uh, we're not exactly following tr- through with that today. We're talking about Fox Kids, which has a lot of child-friendly, not-cartoon shows, and those are on the table for this conversation, so... Yeah, I think this might be the only time we're doing this, because none of the other networks had as many live-action shows as Fox Kids did. Well, Cartoon Network ended up getting a bunch, and no one had liked them, and Nickelodeon had them, and only a couple of them were worthwhile until they became, like, a whole different network. I think that's going to fall past the timeline we're going to talk about. Yeah, that's true. This is mostly 90s and mid-2000s. And this week, they're all rooted in the 90s. And to be fair, most of the stuff that happened in Fox Kids, Fox Box, whichever name you heard the name off of, they were pretty cartoony, even with live action. Yeah. That's true. I don't know if Fox Kids ran into much later in the 2000s. Like, didn't they die in 2003, 2004? It's about the time they stopped using the term Fox Kids, because, again, it bounced around a lot. It eventually just started becoming the uh, the four kids section on Saturday mornings with uh, all of their dubs. Oh, dark times. <laughs> but uh, cartoony live action, I think, is a good way to bring us into the first one we have here and on this list that Ulrich has compiled for us, which is Goosebumps. Bum, 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 bum. So, funny thing about Goosebumps... Uh, 
when I was in seventh grade, I had a I had never read Goosebumps up to that point really, and then I started reading them. I would go in when I got to school in the morning, uh, before class. I would check out a Goosebumps book, and I would finish it before the end of the school day and return it before I went home because I didn't really pay attention during class. I did my homework and I ended up and I did good I had good grades. I'd have to actually pay attention in class, so I just read instead. I read like all of them in that year. <laughs> As for the show, I only remember. A handful of them, particularly the uh, the haunted mask, which is one of my favorite stories. They did well. like three of those, didn't they? Uh, they did. Three they did stories. one and two. Oh, uh, they one and two. I know they did. Like, see, here's the thing: I never actually watched Goosebumps in its original run, but I caught it almost all in reruns in the late to or mid two thousands when my younger brother fell in love with the series. Uh-huh. I've been told, by the way, side note, I've been told that uh, kids who read a lot of Goosebumps, it actually didn't help with, like, literacy and had a weird correlation with less literacy. I don't know if there's any truth to that. I'm just wanting to get ahead of that because the last time I was like, Goosebumps is someone. The guy on my face about that. I was like, hey, they're fun little kind of spooky stories. What do you want from me? So- yeah. And reading is reading. I don't care necessarily if it improved reading. It's hard to get kids to read, okay? Yeah, and especially when it comes to the the horror genre, it's really impressive that you see uh, an author like R.L. Stein push a genre that isn't usually done for kids uh, to be so uh, well known and That's popular. True. It's very true. There's really only him and like there's one other series, right? Are you afraid of the dark? Is that it? All right. Yeah. yeah that was Nickelodeon's spin on uh, like the Twilight Zone esque uh, non sequential stories. Creepy. I mean. I was watching Tales yeah. from the Crypt, which was not meant for me. So. No. <laughs> True. No, it's like, and between the two, I think I was definitely more of a fan of Are You Afraid of the Dark because because of its creepier elements. But Goosebumps was a lot of fun, though it had a lot more hits and misses. Tell uh, us about some of them because I don't remember. Uh, well, like you said, possibly one of the best ones they did was uh, The Haunted Mask, uh, which, anyone who doesn't know the stories, I'm surprised, but kind of a a shy, quiet girl who ends up taking this magical mask uh, for Halloween, and she starts becoming more emboldened and even kind of scary, and you realize the mask is taking over her uh, mentally, and now she has to figure a way to take it off. Because it won't come off. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. But uh, then there were some really weird ones, like, uh, I can't remember the name of the episode, but it's about two young kids who their aunt is visiting and watching over them while their parents are away. And the twist you find out is she's feeding them prune cookies. This sounds familiar. I don't which, remember this one at all. Well, it, it goes on a wild trip because they eat the cookies and then they wake up as old men who, ah. who the aunt is basically marrying away to two other old women. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and like it it's a very bizarre episode because the whole the whole crux of how they save themselves is to eat baby food, which helps re youth like give them their youth back. I remember this, yeah. But what was the twist? Because that was every Goosebumps book and the show ended with some twist, some better than others. Didn't they turn into babies? The tw- yeah, the twist was the at the end, the uh, one of them ate a bit too much baby food and became a toddler again. And the 
episode ends with the friend trying to feed him a little bit of the prune cookie. Oh. <laughs> no. Goosebumps, I mean, I feel like we weren't really passionate about it because it was, it, was, it was a thing. I mean, I don't have real didn't strong they, feelings about it one way or the other. Didn't they do, a, a, like, a big, longer version of this episode for the Horrorland one? Story? I think, yeah, Horland's two-parter, I think. There's yes. a couple two-parters. Like, I remember the two-parter I thought was really good was uh, the camp one. I don't know what it was called. Camp one? The, yeah, oh, the Camp Jelly Jam. Was it Camp Jelly Jam? I believe so. Where the, people, the kids are disappearing at the camp? Ooh, I maybe that's know, the Camp but... Fear one. Yeah, it was Camp Fear, because Camp Fear was a two-parter, and it was really good. And, of course, the first part, I always remember, the first part was really good. And then the second part, the big plot reveal was just like, oh, this is dumb. And it was basically the camp was designed to teach the kids for an invasion of Earth because they were all aliens. So they were learning how to survive and keep their cool. And it's like, oh, I remember the book for that. Yeah. I don't remember it the was, show, though. Yeah, this is the buildup of what was going on in this camp was so good. Everything was so sinister. And like, oh, they're just aliens that look exactly like us who have the exact same customs as us. This is just... I don't know why I expected more from Goosebumps. Well, anyway, we talked about Goosebumps for like six or seven minutes, and we got a lot of things to go through, so let's move on to something that I know for a fact, Woundvog is a... I will never use the word expert again on this podcast, but is knowledgeable <laughs> of, which is Power Rangers Zia. A vehement fan. Well, Woodvog's a vehement Power Rangers fan in general. He's been going through and just rewatching like all the series for for years that I've known him. So, yeah, all of Power Rangers is available on Netflix. So if you'd like to check it out, I absolutely say go for it. It's a lot of fun camp. But uh, me and my roommate have just recently caught up to the series uh, and are now watching the newest season that's running now. Well, what okay. can you tell us about Zio? Yeah, because I missed Zio. Zio was an interesting series. It was, but it was a fun one. I, a personal favorite of mine. It's and <laughs> don't know where to start with it because well, it's really a, quickly. So baseline, right? I don't know anyone out there who doesn't know what Power Rangers are, but baseline true. Power Rangers, bunch of teenagers have access to something called the Morphing Grid, which lets them turn into basically cyber ninjas and. And fight monsters. And they also usually have big mechs called uh, Zords that combine into an even bigger mech. And that's usually how they end an episode, by killing a giant monster with their big mech. So and Zio's that's like highlights. Well, I was more like, so those, that's the baseline. That like Nothing I said there is not true in any Power Rangers series, I think. So what that, is that's, unique about... That, that's Zio? a fair quick assessment. The big one with Zeo is, it is, the f- it is the first major shifting of villains for the Power Rangers, uh, as in all of Mighty Morphin, the major villains were Zed and Rita, but now in Zeo, the Machine Empire, led by King Cog, uh, is trying to take over the Earth, and using newfound abilities from the Zeo Crystal, which is a, as they put it in the show, a continuously increasing in power energy source they use that power to fight the machine empire because the so they they built in power scale right into their lore yes essentially <laughs> all right in fact it is a running gag in one of the newer comics that have been released uh 
it shows the Red Ranger of the Zeo team, Tommy, who was the white and green rangers in Mighty Morphin. Uh, he has the ability to morph into any of his past suits. And he talks about the Zeo one, and he's like, it's been increasing in power ever since we first got it. And the guy goes, okay, how long have you had it? Uh, about 20 years. <laughs> so these were, these were the mechs, they were all geometric shapes, right? Eventually, yes, because they had the... Well, that's, that's another each... thing about Power Rangers. Everyone's got a, uh, a theme. The original were dinosaurs, and there was, like, cars. So yeah, Car- Turbo comes later. We don't talk about Turbo if we don't have to. <laughs> uh, in this one, it was more mythical... Uh, oh, that's right. Mythical features and eventually shapes. Yeah, because I uh, had the shape Megazord. Yeah, because uh, each of the Rangers, along with being color-coded in this one... They numbered off one through five and had a symbol between uh, circles, uh, triangle, rectangle, and star. Man, when the mythical beast is, I feel like this is a kind of a low point. Like I know Zeo was great. I've rewatched bits of Zeo. Zeo holds up, but I feel like we're getting this is the forewarning of and next up are cars. They're they're running out of ideas <laughs> for cool mechs to adapt. Trust me, man. They they come back, but then they. This won't be relevant to this conversation, but there's a series that Woundvog has told me about where the concept is Power Ranger pirates who take powers from all the previous ones, and uh, the mech looks like a big pirate mech, and that's awesome. It's also the worst show. Like a yep, whole we, we've thing. discussed don't, that one before. Don't make me think about what might have been. But <laughs> Well, anyway, we'll, we can... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was go. just saying, uh, this one was... Uh, it was a solid continuation from what Mighty Morphin built up. I think the more the series felt a bit more focused as it had a, a solid storyline throughout. Less filler, uh, which was always nice. You know, I love Mighty Morphin uh, in its original setup, but it was very campy and it was very long, being three seasons of almost 50 episodes per season. Jeez, it's a long show. Yeah, I know so... That. There is a lot of padding <laughs> and just simple episodes of them doing stuff. So Zeo is tighter. <laughs> yeah, but Zeo also personally had my favorite ranger suit, which was their gold ranger, the sixth ranger. Oh, that was cool. I remember that one. <laughs> All right, well, spoiler, we're going to come Power Rangers a couple more times in this conversation, so let's move yeah. on. Uh, to the adventures of Sam Max. This sounds familiar, but I don't know what it is. Okay, does anyone but me remember this at all? I know about Sam and Max. I never played the games, unfortunately, so I didn't get into the show. See, I know of the show. I knew the show before the game, and I remember watching the show, going, "This is just weird and unpleasant. And I don't get it." Ah, I've seen <laughs> these two. It's the dog detective and the rabbit, the crazy-looking rabbit. Yeah. Okay. Uh huh. And they, I don't remember enough about this really to talk more about it than say I didn't like it and it didn't last. I would say if you're listening to this and you loved it, tell us why because uh, we're drawing blank here other than it exists. So and that Ulrich didn't like it. Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't. I didn't get into it myself. I remember. I remember seeing snippets of the games, and I know the the characters Sam and Max, like the more straightforward uh, of them being the uh, being the dog and then the wild rabbit. Uh, it seemed like a fun concept, but it was just something I never got into as I didn't I didn't have much computer games when I was younger, uh, and it didn't catch me when it was on TV. Yeah. All right, let's move on then. 
Next one is called Erie, Indiana. Okay. Another one that I don't know. I just did a quick Google search, and it, well, it looks kind of like Goosebumps, just it from what I can see. Is and I loved it. Okay, tell me about it. Tell us about it. So Erie, Indiana is more like Twilight Zone than I would say Goosebumps in the fact that it's all about following this story of this kid who moves to a town called Erie, Indiana, and all sorts of weird stuff happens. And it ranges on a scale from genuinely disturbing to just kind of goofy. Give us an example of each. Uh, disturbing was about how the dogs were planning to take over the world, and they eat a guy, oh. and they talk about eating the kids. Ah, okay. That's, and I remember after that they episode... Are not, they are not good boys. Yeah, <laughs> I'm being really freaked out after that one and going, oh, I'm going to be real nice to the dogs now. I'm petting my dog right now. Yeah, and then a really weird, goofy one was about the time this kid... So the new bank opens this ATM. It's like, going to be your best friend. And one of the kids befriends it, and then it comes to life as a person and is constantly giving him money, and it makes the whole town go bankrupt. <laughs> Inflation! Huh. Well, the, the bank, the ATM is taking money from everybody else's account to give the kid. Oh, uh, so he's just a thief. <laughs> Inadvertently, but yeah. Yeah, and it's never explained, like, how he came along. It's like, oh, well, it's the science. And it befriended the kid because he was just, you know, the kid was friendly to the ATM. And it, it was, it's, it's a weird show, but it is all on Amazon Prime right now. And it, it's got the 90s goodness to it. There's no weird twist endings, but it, it's, it's really weird. And again, if you like Goosebumps, it's in that same vein. It's well worth a watch. Moonvog, uh, mm. did you ever see it? Don't believe I did, unfortunately. Uh, it, sadly, it looks like it only it didn't even run for twenty episodes. No, it's not a long uh, season, <laughs> not a long but, show. But yeah, it's definitely some interesting plots for uh, for the setup. I think they were it was the nineties. You know, Goosebumps was popular, and everyone was trying to copy that format. Yeah, there there ended up being a lot of uh, between the late eighties to mid nineties, just throwing everything to the wall to see what sticks. Oh, and there's a running subplot that uh, Elvis is a fry cook there. Marvelous. Because, always, of course, he is. I'm always down for a good Elvis is still alive doing something mundane joke. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I, I know I've seen that uh, that was the bit in Good Omens. Yep. Elvis is a fry cook. Because so. uh, Neil Gaiman wrote a joke, a uh, headline for that when he wrote for the Nat for, I think it was the Enquirer or the Globe. But one of those <laughs> old parody ones, he wrote a, a joke headline about Elvis being a fry cook. Huh. All right. Well, anyway, go back to Power Rangers. Except this time it's Turbo. Ah, oh, Turbo. Oh. Apparently <laughs> As we shift into Turbo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, got him. Now, I feel bad because talking about how much I love Zio didn't have much. But I have a lot more to say about Turbo. But Zero. sometimes that happens with you know shows when it uh, gets mixed mixed uh reviews <laughs> all right well Ulrich's already made his state his stance very clear so what's your stance uh in the grand scheme of things turbo wasn't bad but it had a lot of problems uh, ultimately being one of them being again for anyone who doesn't know about power rangers uh half the series is taken from japanese tokusatsu sentai series uh, uh that have tangentially similar setups of heroes using magical suits and big robots to fight villains. Mm -hmm. The series Car Ranger, and that isn't the whole name of it, and I forgive forgive me for anyone who is out there that that does know it, uh, 
was a comedy in Japan. Really? Yes. Now, half of the writing staff in when it came to the States and became Turbo wanted to keep it comedy, and the other half wanted to do the continue with the, you know, semi-serious show that they had going already. Oh, and, writing staff splits never a good thing. And it led to a lot of clashing. Unfortunately, it led to a lot of jarring tones for the series. Uh, they basically replaced the entire uh, cast halfway through it, and unfortunately, it's the lowest the ratings had seen, almost canceling Power Rangers altogether. Wow. Uh, however, if you can, if you can accept that it is unbelievably campy some of the episodes are super fun one of the most infamous being the pizza episode is that the oh, yeah have I seen, is that like a monster i've seen in meme form or something is that what you're talking about Probably. oh i'm sure i'm sure you have it's uh the whole setup is the villain for the season diva talks who is this like pirate space pirate mm. uh gets amnesia and starts working at a pizza place <laughs> all right so, so you have that going, but the villain, who is who is all pizza themed, traps the rangers in a giant oven and cooks them into a pizza. Ah, I think I've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> no, this one, this this because I I missed Zio. I came back briefly for Turbo. I saw that the Zords were cars now. I went, ah, oh, this is lame. What else is on? And that was. Uh, that was uh, definitely another thing that a lot of people were disappointed with. Is like, you know, we had the the dinosaurs, the mystical creatures, the uh, like the fables, and then going back to cars was uh, for a lot of people I know disappointing. And I remember even like, and then of course we got to talk about the Blue Ranger. Yeah, and then another thing is uh, the Blue Ranger in Turbo was cast. Uh, he was a uh, child actor, where the rest were supposed to be teens. Now, I will defend Justin personally because he wasn't as bad as some that trope can get. No, but he was one I was looking for in my Power Rangers. I mean, it already had one strike fair. with bad Zords, and then like, oh, there's an annoying kid character now. Like, uh, what's two ABC turbos. Got? Two turbos credit though. It had one of the best finales of the earlier seasons, being that the. Uh, Ranger's mentor, Zordon, has been captured by an evil alliance of all of their villains, and their command center, along with their powers, get destroyed. And to find Zordon, they have to leave the planet and head off into space without any powers in uh, far-flung hope to save him. Man, why did they put like the best season finale on the, one of the worst seasons? It, it definitely was something that... Uh, is not lost on the uh, scale of irony. Mm. Uh, turbo. Now that's the one in my rewatch. I just, you know, I skipped to the finale because <laughs> I don't need to watch Turbo. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say it led into one of the best seasons of the series, Power Rangers in Space. Yes. All right. So let's move down the list. Am I, again, am I the only one that remembers the Mystic Knights of Turn Anog? Absolutely not. That was incredible. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I watched, like, bits of it recently, and it's like, oof, this this does not hold up. But I remember as a kid, it was fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, is, this, I, is this Irish Power Rangers? Is that what's going on? 
Uh, More or less, actually. Sort of, yeah. It it takes a lot of inspiration from uh, from Celtic lore. Well, well there are it's three using Of course, it does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, this is like medieval Power Rangers, if memory serves correct. Yeah, but in spe- instead of spandex, it's magical weapons and uh, knight armor. Yeah, and it was awesome, and I loved every minute of it. This filled the uh, Power Rangers void in my young life. It's like, oh, well, Power Rangers is lame. They have cars now. But wait, what's this? It's got a funny name and weapons? Sold. It, it definitely runs into the setup of Haim Saban, the original creators of uh, Power Rangers, s- saw how popular Power Rangers have become. So every other place, including Saban themselves, started to make light, trying to make lightning strike twice. You know what's yeah. weird about this? Like, I saw Tiernanog in the, uh, the the notes. I was like, cool, I love, like, Celtic mythology and stuff. I'm looking at pictures of these these guys, and I I am oddly bothered by the fact that three of them, their armor looks more, well, Japanese than anything. <laughs> and it's, I don't know why it's bothering me so much. Maybe just because I expected more of a Celtic look. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not getting that from this show. This was just like Power Rangers, but a bit more, I want to say violent, because Power Rangers was surprisingly violent, but a different flavor of Power Rangers, I guess. Yeah, I, I wish I could say more about this one, but I don't really remember it outside than it existed. And and I recently tried to rewatch it as like, oof, this this is not good. This so is apparently the theme of today's recording is Power Rangers and other things we don't remember. Yeah, well, speaking it of things, that. does anyone remember Silver Surfer? I mean, I know of the Silver Surfer. I didn't know he had a show. I know he had a show, but I don't remember it. I remember it. It wasn't that great. <laughs> that sounds about right, because most of the animated Marvel shows, outside a handful, weren't that great. I mean, Iron Man had that kick-ass opening theme song, but it wasn't that good. And Hulk? I, okay, Hulk was good, I think. I think I, I liked I I've always thought it was funny that, in general, DC has just kicked Marvel's ass when it came to animation, with a very few, you know, exceptions. Like, I still think that Spectacular Spider-Man is probably my favorite superhero cartoon. But, again, all in all, you know, DC's got the whole Batman thing that and turned into Justice League Unlimited, Batman Beyond, and all Static Shock, which is technically a milestone, but became DC. Anyway, <laughs> so, not the point. <laughs> Well, is, again, go ahead. I was going to say, point is that Marvel cartoons, most of them I've never really been into. Even when they're around characters that I liked, as you said, the Iron Man show uh, bored me. I tried watching several different iterations of Avengers and or like Thor-related material that never caught my attention. I only even like half the Spider-Man shows, and Spider-Man's my favorite superhero. So, yeah, I don't so, know so, why, but you, you're... I mean, there's X-Men, there's the original Spider-Man, there's Avengers, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, and... I think that's it for, like, Marvel animated series I will go to bat for. The point is that Silver Surfer's not a character I know too much about. I know that he's apparently, like, Galactus-level powerful, so I have a hard time imagining what his cartoon would have been. I think this spun off of the Fantastic Four series, which I was never a fan of Fantastic Four, so I can't say if that was good or not. What little I do remember from this series is, like, it had a very stylized design for it, but, uh... Unfortunately, that also kind of led to, uh, you know, mid-90s stale animation. Yeah, they, they, they filmed it on the cheap. Like, Which, when you're kids, you don't care, you don't notice. But you look back now and you're like, oof, wow. Yeah. That, that looks even worse in HD. A lot of, like, thing, one thing moving across the screen. 
Uh-huh. You can see the sweat drops from the sweatshops where they're making it. Oh, jeez. Well, let's take that sad, depressing idea, put it aside, and move right on next to our next Power Rangers conversation with Lock's Galaxy. Also, if you listeners can't tell, I don't know jack about Power Rangers other than what Woundvog and Ulrich have told me, so that's why I'm going to let them basically do it. <laughs> Lost Galaxy's awesome. Lost Galaxy was a super fun one. Yep. Again, I, I noticed we did miss uh, talking about in space in this one, but as I said, that was, I feel, one of the best seasons. Yeah, uh, these two kind of run together in my head, probably because they're that, both in space. But is well, that what you did? Yeah, so I ran off a big list I found online. Any gaps are the result of the big list online. <laughs> All right, anyway, in space and Lost Galaxy, go. Oh, again, like it is like over said, the... Uh, both of them are both you know, space operas. In Space is about the, as I said, Turbo ended, uh, Mentor captured, heroes go to save him. Uh, it actually ended up doing a a real, a more serious story. Like, the new Red Ranger for the series is, uh, is an alien from another planet. Uh, he has trouble working with the Turbo Rangers as they become the new team of Space Rangers uh, because... His friend, who is who becomes the sixth ranger, was nearly killed in combat and was cryogenically frozen uh, to save his life. Wait a second, wasn't this the one that used the Starship Troopers armor? No, that is Lost Galaxy, okay. which is the, the next season. Yeah, um, okay. Yeah, Lost Galaxy was the first series of Power Rangers to start completely clean slate. Everything that came before it is canon, but these new characters have nothing to do with what is called the Zordon era of Power Rangers. Yeah. And Lost Galaxy is about... uh, The world is about to launch its first massive space station uh, to find a new habitable planet, uh, which is called... the, The space station is called Terra Venture. The main... One of, the, one of the main characters is named Leo. He is a uh, stowaway on the ship. And him and, you know, a few faded other, others, including his brother Mike, get transported to a, uh, another world, find these mystic swords called the uh, Quasar Sabers, uh, and in very much Arthurian-esque lore, they pull them from the stones and are deemed the new Power Rangers. Uh and use the power to help Terra Venture in its quest across the stars. Okay, so again, these two kind of blend together in my head. Which was the one with the Insect Empire? Lost Galaxy. Okay, Lost Galaxy. That that was a really... Because the main villain, villainess from America, that's been a long time, forgive me folks, mm-hmm. but she had a story arc that kept me tuning in week to week, which is something Power Rangers hadn't done in a while. Wasn't, wasn't she the one that didn't actually want to like be buggy and then at the end they like force her into a cocoon that changes her into like super powerful bug queen lady honestly yes because uh, I, I think I saw the last like three episodes where she got forced into that so yeah because uh, the main villain in the series initially is uh, kind of this creepy scorpion looking guy uh, but his daughter scorpina uh, is kind of you know, reluctant to take the throne of the Empire uh, and lose her more human form. Uh, however, partway through the series, the Rangers up and kill him, <laughs> uh, and she kind of gets 
put into the seat of power. And yeah, Ulrich, Ulrich said true. She has a whole character arc uh, of becoming stronger so she can uh, run the Empire. Uh, and at the end, she ends up getting put into this cocoon that makes her more powerful. But she goes completely crazy to the point that she effectively suicide bombs all of her army to destroy the Megazords of the series. Which came first, this or StarCraft? Because I'm noticing some parallels here. <laughs> uh, I want to say StarCraft, but I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, because there, there's some definite story beats here. It's like, <laughs> wait a second. By the way, side note, I always make comments about StarCraft and Warhammer similarity. I only just found out that apparently that's because StarCraft was originally supposed to be a Warhammer game. And yep. then that was scrapped. And then they just took what they were going to... Anyway, new news to me. So... <laughs> Anyway, any last things on Lost Galaxy before we move on? It was awesome. Yeah, it's a great, great series. Uh, a lot of cool touches and uh, on being a story about loss and coming and uh, coming to terms with it. Yeah, because this, this one came out. I was a, I, started, I was old enough to start following the stories outside of punching and kicking. And I remember that's why it stuck with me. Is like I actually had enough memory to pay attention to the story bits and remember week to week what was going on. And I remember being wanting to tune in and not miss anything. Well, anyway, if you are listening and you haven't heard or seen our next one, that is a mistake because the next one we have listed is Animaniacs, and it is amazing. <laughs> like, yeah, that's kind of uh, genre-defining. Yeah, well, I mean, Animaniacs was the new Looney Tunes. Oddly enough, it came out after Tiny Tunes, which was supposed to be the Looney Tunes, and I love Tiny Tunes, but Animaniacs is really better. supplanted. Well, yeah. I mean, again, I love Tiny Tunes, but Animaniacs is, like, as perfect of a, what it's trying to be as you can get, I think. Yeah. Animaniacs polished what uh, Tiny Tunes started. There you go. I'm totally cool with that. Animaniacs, though, because I, I rewatched it. It's on Hulu. It, there's only one critical flaw to it. It is dated as hell in a lot of its reference humor. That is oh, true. Yeah. But it, it also, it, I feel like it also does a lot of like timeless humor to mix in so that. Oh, yeah. The would, slapstick is still great. Uh, the writing is the still references great. Can, the music is still great. I mean, one of the intros has Bill Clinton plays the sax. Like, there's yep. going to be a point where that doesn't mean anything to people anymore. So, I mean, there's I probably plenty of people now that don't get that. Now. <laughs> it's like, yeah. huh? Uh, in the same vein of Robin Williams' uh, genie portrayal, it is. It, uh, it is always memorable, but very much a product of its time. Plus a lot of... I like the musical like, music, I think, is what... And actually, you know, as far as the music is concerned, I always like to bring up that... Sorry, can you hear me? Yeah. All right, and I always like to bring up that... Uh, is it... Is it Rita Moonvog, the, the singing cat? Yes, Rita and Runt. All right, Rita and Runt. Rita was sung by Bernadette Peters, who is... Possibly my single favorite uh, Broadway singer who played the witch in the uh, Into the Woods. So hearing that's her, why that's I why you don't name. see. Yeah, that's why you don't actually see uh, Rita and Runt a lot in Animaniacs or a whole run because Bernadette was very busy, and so it's like whenever they could get a hold of her, they would, you know, do one. But it wasn't very often. <laughs> and that's yeah, the other thing. Like, this show gave us Pinky and the Brain. The Good Feathers, which is a parody as a kid I didn't understand, but thought was hilarious. Animes good idea, themselves. bad idea. Oh, I love Good Idea, Bad Idea. Good Idea, Bad Idea. Which, by hilarious. the way, again, if, if for some reason you haven't seen this, Good Idea, Bad Idea, was it, it's right on the face. It was just this little animation with this like basically featureless guy, and it'd be Good Idea, and it would be just something simple. Like, I, I don't know. Whistling while you work. Whistling while you work, yeah. 
whistling while you eat. There you go. <laughs> and that's like there's humor like that that really still really still holds up. All the Pinky and the Brain stuff is still pretty good. I mean, Pinky and the Brain was popular enough to go on and make its own series. You have the titular, you know, Warner uh, and their sister Dot. What about the? Uh, there was a character who I didn't realize as a kid, but is supposed to just be older, grumpy Bugs Bunny, essentially. And that's Slappy uh, the Squirrel. Thank you, Slappy the Squirrel. Yeah. I was thinking Sally. I was like, that's Sally. But yeah, like Slappy was conceived as, all right, what if Bugs Bunny is old and crotchety? Because <laughs> it's the same kind of like, the, the same premise where someone messes with Slappy by like, you know, moving it on her property and then she proceeds to be really clever and make their lives miserable. <laughs> so Dr. Scratch and Sniff. Also, Rob Paulson so is all over that. And Rob Paulson is one of the best voice actors in the business, and apparently oh, one of the best yeah. people in the business. And that was that was him as Yakko and Pinky. There so. are so many great voice actors oh, in the series, and so much more too, because he was also Doctor Scratch and Sniff. Yeah, Correct. no, he's got Phil Lamar, and uh, oh, no, honestly, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Again, and, for some reason you don't know this, uh, Steven Spielberg was actually a big voice in Animaniacs. Which is kind of weird to think about uh, in hindsight, I think. But I think Man that loves was... animation. Yeah, yeah. And I think he wanted to, you know, give a version of Looney Tunes to his kids, which is essentially what this is. It's lots of short little skits, parody, reference, humor, and was wildly creative and still really holds up. Is a lot of fun, especially now as an adult. You go back and watch it, and you see all the stuff they snuck in. And I just can't wonder, oh, like, yeah. how did they get this past the censors? Was the 90s just a different time? Well, I will say that, like, the, the joke that always stands out, out to me, and it's obvious because it's one of the dirtiest jokes they make, is they're <laughs> being detectives. And, uh, oh, no, and, then, and Dot goes, I found Prince. And she's holding singer-songwriter Prince in her arms. And Yaka goes, no, 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 fingerprints. And Dot looks at Prince, and Prince looks at Dot and waggles his eyebrows, and she goes, I don't think so. Yeah. Oh, that was one. It's like, how the hell? (laughs) That is possibly one of the biggest ones. Uh, Another joke that they slipped by was uh, they were doing a Noah's Ark episode, and it was wonderful, but while he's getting all the animals on, for the rabbits, Buster and Babs from Looney Tunes show up. Oh. And they do the Buster and Babs bunny, no relation, and get on and goes, I hope not, this is a kid's show. <laughs> I remember that. That's because they do that. Oh, what was the, uh, the parody of with that, that character? Was that a... Uh, I don't remember. I will say that my, my, pers- my personal favorite quote-unquote adult joke, just because I love the way it's delivered, is someone says to Yakko, or to the Animax, give me the bird. Yakko's goes, we love to, but the Fox censors won't allow it. <laughs> I think the thing was, is, you know, back in the 90s, if you wanted to complain, you had to write a letter and mail it off. There was no, you know, message boards. There was no social media that you could gather a mass of angry, like-minded people. It was a lot harder to be pissed off. And you get the feeling, you get the feeling with Animaniacs and Tiny Toons, actually, that the writers had a lot of freedom. Like, the number of pot shots they took at, at Fox and fox related things and the number of like side jokes they made about the writers themselves is quite honestly staggering it is really, really odd <laughs> that's what happened to steven spielberg in your corner yeah, yeah. i suppose yeah. And so. if, if you're uh if you really love animaniacs too great news is a new series with all of the returning cast is in production right now 
That is so exciting. I'm excited it. for that. Yes. No, I, mean, now, I recently sent uh, Axel the Yakos 50 states because he didn't. I don't know my capitals. Yeah, he doesn't know capitals. Wackos. Struggles. Oh, wackos. That's right. And he struggles <laughs> with geography. So I sent him that going, yeah. here you go. Yakko was country. Yakko was countries of the world. So I think, I think I might send you that one too because again, your geography <laughs> skills. I yeah, I admit I'm not good at geography. Now we could do an entire episode of Animaniacs, so let's just move on for the time being to where in the world is Carmen San Diego? And you have no idea how hard it was not to sing that set that line there. <laughs> so See here's everyone thing. knows all the songs. Was it are you talking the a cappella version or the original animated Actually, yes. I, I'm talking the acapella. Well, I'm talking the acapella version. The original animated version doesn't stick in my head very much, but the the where in the world is Carmen San Diego? That yep, that one's still head. there. And the thing is, that's, I don't remember much about either of those. I remember the theme song. I remember the animated one was they were constantly chasing her around the world because she was going to steal famous monuments. <laughs> I I remember jokes about her and where's Waldo? Yeah, I love yeah, but uh, I. I actually watch Carmen City. I thought her design was great, but that's all this I know about her. was one that the intent was good, and that was to teach kids geography, but it wasn't written interesting. This is Captain Planet level of eh, this yeah. is good for me, so what else is on? Yeah, Which is actually, why they did the quiz show. <laughs> I actually mentioned it. It does feel all like Captain Planet in my estimations. It what do you think, Vaughn? Did you watch it? I didn't watch much of the cartoon, admittedly, but I love like Ulrich's talking about the uh, the kit the uh, quiz show where yep. the the contestants are helping find not just Carmen but like some of her like thieving cohorts. And that's the one everyone remembers because they found a way to make the educational aspects interesting, and the answer somehow was acapella, mm-hmm. which is almost never the answer, but in this case, it was. All right, so let's move on to what we can talk about. Spider-Man. I mean, yeah, it's Spider-Man. <laughs> what, what do you want from me? This is this is, this is the original Spider-Man, right? They just happen to be playing it on Fox Kids? Yep. This yeah. is the 90s Spider-Man that oh. has that weird lyric spider blood. Yeah. yeah. Not, the, not the original, because that's the 60s one, and that is a whole okay. other beast. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, right. no, that's true. But this is the uh, Spider-Man, <laughs> Spider-Man. It's like, that's oh, yeah. how... And everything was... It had that like really weird. Uh, the, the colors in the show were so crazy. Like they were neon, and there was like dark, a lot of dark backgrounds with right. Very much around. of its time. Yeah, but it, oh, made it, yeah. Very, it stood out a lot to me. Like in comparison to, I know a lot of people uh, compare this to X Men not favorably, as in liking X Men more. I happen to be on the other side of that, but not for any particular set of reasons but one of the things for me is that they were both aesthetically similar but x-men was a lot more for lack of a term pastelly a lot brighter and spider-man i think because almost every story took place at night everything was always dark and the buildings were dark but the lights were all bright so it was just very contrasting so (laughs) spider-man also had they were just starting to use the cgi animation yeah, it comes up in a lot of the swinging scenes and a lot of and that kind of hurts it a little bit because you look and you just go, oh, no, that clash is really harsh against the 2D animation. But this is where most of my early knowledge of Spider-Man comes from, was this show. Because they really Same. did a lot of the clone stuff. I mean, the comic stuff. What's right funny, though, about... Um, was Clone Saga in here yet? Um, yes, they yeah. ended the series with the Clone Saga. Yeah. Well, they did They did all Spider-Verse stuff with the uh, Ma- Madam Web and all yeah. that. Yeah, Madam Web is a weird character. 
Yeah. Anyway, um, I, I don't remember the show too well. I, I did watch it, but one thing I remember very strongly – well, first of all, <laughs> I remember that they didn't actually do blood, as you said, because they had Morbius on there and he absorbed plasma. Yeah, so, suckers on his hands, which, yeah, which I always pretty that, cool. that was supposed to make him more TV friendly, and it scared the hell out of me as a kid. Actually, that's how I feel too. I think that sucker version of Morbius is way creepier than regular vampire they, Morbius. They're little leech mouths, and oh god, no! We yeah. can't have we can't have this guy biting people on a t- children's TV show. I know. Let's make him Edgar Leech Hands. Oh god! <laughs> but this I remember my introduction to Punisher. I remember the show was oddly serious. That's the thing that really weirded me out. Because I, I run into so many people nowadays who like to argue with me about things like Raimi Spider-Man not being jokey enough. Which, first of all, they're wrong. I think it is jokey. You're just not looking at the right places. Second of all, though, it's funny because I know a lot of people who their first – my age, whose first introduction was this Spider-Man show. And he's not very quippy in that Spider-Man show. Like, it wasn't the game that came out at the same time. And there were episodes. But a lot of it was like – darker tones kind of serious drama kind of stuff it was the 90s that was the tone of comics and that's what i liked about this and you know x-men was it was like reading the comics also fun fact it's neil patrick harris doing the voice what what yeah Uh, no i believe that was him doing it in the vh1 series yeah i was about to say you're correct about that (laughs) okay get my facts mixed up i could have i have heard he did really well in that though yeah, so the, the Spider-Man that you're talking about, 1994, is uh, Christopher Dan- Daniel Barnes, ah. who a lot of people have um, said is their, you know, the voice of Spider-Man. Because yeah, of when so. I read Spider-Man comics, that is the voice I hear. But again, this was an awesome show. And Oddly enough, got, when I read Spider-Man I'm... comics, I hear Josh Keaton because Spectacular Spider-Man, but that's just me. Ah. So, anyway. <laughs> No, this is a really good show. I really enjoyed this. This has, for me, held up. And again, as I love the comic book storytelling nature of it, because at the time I wasn't buying comics, my brothers were, and I knew, you know, a lot of this stuff secondhand, but this was my way that I could watch this and then talk Spider-Man with them. And again, much like X-Men, this was a show that we all kind of, you know, bonded over because we all like Spider-Man because the 90s and even today, everyone likes Spider-Man. I mean, this is my introduction to Mysterio, to Punisher. I think Daredevil made an appearance at one point. Yes, he did. By the mm-hmm. way, quick side note, Christopher Daniel Barnes also was the voice of Prince Eric in The Little Mermaid. And he huh. was the on-screen portrayal of Greg Brady in the Brady Bunch movie and a very Brady <laughs> So, oh. Greg oh. Brady is Spider-Man. I'm never going to unsee nice. that now. <laughs> oh, yeah. that exists in my brain now. <laughs> Carnage at one point, which when you look back on was really weird how they did carnage animation i don't i don't i don't know i guarantee you right now sony's looking over going okay we're going to do a venom sequel we had carnage on the tv screen how do we make it work there anyway (laughs) let's move on we still got a number of shows and not a lot of time the tick the tick is amazing spoon (laughs) i still yell spoon to people every now Uh, oddly enough i know the tick better from the most recent uh Live action series with um, uh, oh I can't remember, I can't pronounce his last name, but because uh, I, I the, the original with Warburton the the live action show I watched a little bit of the cartoon I watched a little bit of the Tick is just a fun character he's great to be yep. around again if if you don't know who the Tick is now that he's got three different shows the Tick is a superhero and also a parody of superheroes <laughs> in, a, in a very fun loving 
wink, wink, nudge, nudge way. Yeah, so think, think like Deadpool, except instead of being adult in your face, he's he's just kind of genuine, like super, yeah. super genuine. So, I mean, I've, I've done this show dirty by not watching it in any oh. recent times. I, okay. I I love what I've seen though. It's kind of hard to track down. I don't know where to find it. I, I want to watch it because I, I love this show. My the, only, favorite... the only line I remember is Tick talking about a justice sandwich. <laughs> I don't remember the details. Just him describing what goes into a justice sandwich, and I love that memory. So... One of my favorite jokes for this is they go inside the Tick's mind. I don't remember the setup of why they're inside his mind. And at one point, he's in this big desert, and all of a sudden, a giant statue head of him appears out of the sand, and little versions of him someone start beating with fish, and goes, why are little men beating me with fish? And Arthur goes, shrugs, and goes, I don't know, subconscious is weird, man. Yeah. And that was just, like, that joke made me laugh, because it's such a, there's these little guys, little versions of him beating him with fish, and so Neil, the dinosaur guy, <laughs> you know, it's just a giant guy in a T-Rex costume with a mustache, chair face. You know, I would not be surprised at all if the Tick was one of the primary inspirations for something like Venture Brothers. Like, oh, I mean, yeah. obviously, obviously, Venture Brothers is Johnny Quest primarily, but the fact that the Tick was so overt uh, and self <laughs> and self aware, I feel like that's the kind of thing that led to Venture Bros. So, oh yeah, one hundred percent. All right, now we're getting into the good ones, at least in my opinion. Uh, Godzilla, the animated series. All right, before yeah. before we get any further, that the Kaiju Man Deadless Peace. That that creature is not the show. Actually, was good. That does not change the fact that creature is not Godzilla. <laughs> I that want to agree with you. Godzilla. I want to agree with you, but it feels dangerously close to gatekeeping somehow. Well, I would not say that someone who like likes that is not a kaiju fan or something. It's but just you're that saying they're not a Godzilla fan, and that's why it feels dangerously close. <laughs> well, no, I mean that literally the rights of that creature were bought by Toho, and they is called Zilla. That creature exists in the Godzilla. I know world the story. As I'm a just saying, creature. <laughs> I'm just saying. I I'm not going to fully endorse that because it feels kind of gross. Anyways, the movie was <laughs> for anyone, terrible. For anyone not in the know, this was an animated continuation of the '90s American Godzilla movie where one of the eggs survived imprints on the main character and basically becomes his friendly dinosaur to help fight other kaiju. Like I said, I actually like the cartoon. Just fine. It's pretty good. I, I, I had a Game Boy game of it and a toy. But, you know, still a different yeah. thing. <laughs> I mean, real simple premise. Each week they fought another giant kaiju with Godzilla, and it was awesome. <laughs> I mean, the, apparently this was based off the failed sequel they had planned uh that makes and a lot of sense all, yeah you got me all flustered now because i hate gatekeeping all too, but i feel very <laughs> i feel very strongly about this so i'm like i i understand what you're saying but i still feel like this is important so this is this is like this is my line in the fucking sand right here so then so. uh let, let's let's throw you off balance and shift you back to something you love motherfucking beast wars beast Fucking beast wars, wars. i've been rewatching this recently i used to wake up at 6 a.m for the only reason is to watch Beast Wars because it happened to be when it was on. So yeah. I probably my Beast Wars. Probably my first foray into Transformers. Yep. I'm sure it's the same with you guys. Well, you know, we this had, was our uh, generation's had, introduction. Yeah. Yeah, we had a uh, we had John Bailey on a while back, and Transformers was like his his big thing, and mm -hmm. it was weird because I'm not really a big Transformers guy outside of Beast Wars because they never like 
trucks or vehicles or cars. So those versions of the toys never interested me. But I liked animals. And then Beast Wars was like, I know that animation-wise doesn't hold up now, but I still think it's really good. Like, I went back and rewatched a couple episodes recently, and I think the voice cast is so fun, and it's just... I, I think I that the fact that they're robots help. The animation helps the fact that they're blocky robots because they don't need to look natural. But those now, landscapes, because, oh god! Yeah, because Transformers is well known, but Beast Wars has not had any love for like over a decade at this point. It's possible you don't know what we're talking about. The idea is that after the events of the first like Transformers series, there's some time goes by, like well into the future or something, and then the entities that are the same entities as they were in the Transformers crash land on this planet after going through some sort of warp entity. And when they land on the planet, it's just a primal planet, just like dinosaurs and... Actually, not dinosaurs, but like animals and stuff. So instead of turning into cars, they turn into animals. Now, the actual kind of interesting twist that I'm going to give away right now is that it is Earth, but it's an Earth like hundreds of thousands of years before humans showed up. So... It creates this weird, like, time loop thing. But the point is, Optimus Prime is there, except now he's Optimus Primal, because he's a gorilla. Uh, and he says that let's just prime. The catchphrases are pure 90s gold. Yeah. Mo Megatron just saying the word yes is a catchphrase on it, so just, yes. The voice acting on Megatron. The voice acting in general. Now, if someone who knows the, the Transformers to Beast Wars comparisons can correct me, I'm not claiming this is to be certain, but I always was under the impression that um, Bumblebee became uh, Cheetor, Sideswipe became Dinobot? I'm not sure. But the point is that, that there's... right. Uh, I mean, I became Rhinox. Starscream became Pterosaur. But the point is that they all have a an animal version of who they were. And you don't so. need to know Transformers to enjoy this. We didn't know Transformers, and we loved the hell out of this. And again, I've been rewatching it lately. It still holds up. I have a project in mind for this series. Also, there's an episode that I think is one of those, like, Samurai Jack kind of things where, like, this is art right here, where the basic premise is there's a crazy Energon storm, which is, you know, they're weird, and they can't transform into their robot forms for a long period of time, like weeks, so they have to stay in their animal forms, and they start losing their mind and just becoming the animals. So there's, like, no dialogue through most of the episode, just these are the characters you love acting like animals to the point where, like, Cheetor is trying to hunt down and kill Rat Trap. It, anyway, it's a brilliant yeah. episode. <laughs> Unvog, we cut you off. Talk about why you love Beast Wars. <laughs> oh, I, I did. It was a, it was super fun. I love the whole idea of robots becoming transforming into animals thing. Again, it, I got a lot of that from uh, Power Rangers, so this is just a nice uh, step in the same direction. I will say this is the, this is one of the first series where I realized how much I hate uh, things ran in syndication. Yeah. Because I didn't, I didn't know the word for that at the time, of course, but uh, I just have a vivid memory of coming to my grandmother's house after school uh, and watching an episode of Beast Wars that it ended on a cliffhanger of there was a battle going on and Cheetor went to find something that was like hidden in the mountains. And the, the episode ended on a to-be-continued of him looking inside the cave that he found and had a shocked look. I remember this, yeah, I remember. And the next day, they started from the first episode. <laughs> I got a similar story about that one. And, and it still haunts it. me to this day. 
I remember the setup. I still don't know what's in the cave. Yeah. (laughs) All I remember was Rat Trap was on a mission. Rat Trap was the best, by the way. No, he was not. Rat Trap is the worst. (laughs) Screw you. Rat Trap was hilarious. No, Rat Trap is an asshole. Yeah, that's why he was great. He was a little (laughs) asshole. Anyways. Like a Brooklyn dude. Fight, fight, fight. (laughs) Kiss, kiss. Rat Trap was on a mission. He gets ambushed by Waspinator and trapped under a rock. And it's like, oh, how's he going to escape? And then there was a slow, uh, high-speed chase that interrupted Transformers. And I never found out how (laughs) Rat Trap escaped. The last thing I saw was him buried under rocks going, oh, no. And then cut to this, you know, high-speed chase, which should have been interesting. It was just truck being chased by a cop in Spokane. Anyway, we're gonna put that aside and probably come back to Beast Wars another episode because it's I awesome. have plans for di- I have plans for this. Don't you right. worry. <laughs> Digimon. Digital I monsters. Didn't... Digimon are the champions. Yeah. So I'm guessing you're just talking Digimon one, right? The first series. Yes. Okay. I think everything else after that. This like ran 98, 99. This came right up on our cutoff. All right. Fair enough. I know Digimon pretty well. Woundval, you know better. So. Yeah. It's. Pretty good. <laughs> Pretty straightforward setup. The uh, came from uh, originally from toys. Effectively, it was trying to brand Tamagotchi as a toy for boys. Uh, the show, the show is about seven children being whisked away to a magical world. Uh, each finding a uh, a friend that ch- that is a uh, digital monster or Digimon, which can grow into stronger other types of Digimon, and they help f- keep them protected in the world while they also figure out what it is they're doing there. It was a super fun series. I loved it as a kid. I love it now. But it had problems. <laughs> I personally don't think the first two series hold up really at all. I think Tamers holds up really, really well, but I not think, the first two series. Uh, season one holds up. I've rewatched season one, which is and I like it, which is saying something. I disagree something. with you, but... Well, if you know my stance on anime, the fact that I like Digimon at all is surprising. Okay, but Digimon isn't really anime. I mean, I know it is by the... Or gatekeeping. What is with you this episode? Well, no, it's only... Okay. I wouldn't say this is gatekeeping. I'm not saying, like, you can't watch this thing and it doesn't make you... And none of that. I'm just saying that, like, it's... It's <laughs> anime is an art, an artistic movement, so I guess I mean technically it is, but I feel like for purposes of our discussion, like terminology is only useful as well as it conveys similarities between other things. That's why categorization has usage in vernacular, and I feel like the the term anime doesn't accurately describe the appeal of Digimon one and two. That's all I mean, and I'm not saying that makes it better or worse. It's just not useful. I you think. already dug your own grave. This is going out for posterity. <laughs> Fine. This is my, my point. <laughs> if you like Digimon, you aren't an anime fan. You heard That's, it that's not what I said. It's the, same, it's the same reason I would say that Avatar is anime. Yeah, I'll, I'll put that flag down. Whatever. No, no, you're not distracting. We, we already know your stance. Long story short from the middle man, the uh, dub for Digimon was heavily edited so it could be shown to children in the estates. Yeah, there's ones you notice as an adult that's like, wait a second, I know what's going on here. That that's that's a ball. That is literally a testicle with legs. Hmm. That's not soda. <laughs> it makes him so silly. I don't know. 
I watched this a couple years ago. I still liked it. Though it gets really weird and hard to follow in the end, which I don't know yes. how I grasped that as a kid because as an adult, I'm sitting there going, what the hell is happening? Side note, or did you watch Tamers? Yeah, I watched all the way up to season right, three. I, I I was a Digimon kid. Digimon was awesome. I haven't got like I started to rewatch season two because I'm like I'm gonna watch rewatch yeah. all of Digimon and I got like oh I didn't like this much as a kid and I hate this as an adult. This is just this is bad. <laughs> but I know I have distinct memories. This is one of the ones I've, I remember. You know, first it was on after school, and then it transitioned to Saturday mornings. And I remember waking up at the crack of dawn every Saturday to get my fill of Digimon and what was happening next. And that whole saga when they came to the real world was really cool. And they never put out enough toys. This should have been, there should have been tons of Digimon toys. And there never was enough. I remember having a great, uh, I had two toys. One that was a Gabumon that turned into a Metal Garumon. And one that was a Garumon that turned into a Wear Garumon. So between the two toys, I had all four stages. It was really great. Yeah. Nice. I always thought, we were, a Garumon had the cool revolutions of the, you know, between him and uh, Greymon. Well, I think that depends entirely on your aesthetic, because Greymon turned into a oh, crazy shit. mechanical dinosaur. Oh, so, shit. Yeah, okay. I would say, I would Greymon's be surprised cool. if Moonfog is more Greymon. Greymon is so-so, but War Greymon, okay, War Greymon is fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. And then Angelomon, that raised all sorts of... But, I mean, for me, I like uh, I like Garumon so much, because he was a punk rock werewolf, so... Don't ruin Garumon for me. <laughs> how, does, how does calling him a punk rock werewolf ruin him for you? Because then I kind of think about it, it's a wolfman. It's a wolfman. He's wearing pants. Yeah, because he's a and werewolf. Belts. What do you want? And then why are there all these belts? He so many like belts he, from the nineties. Looks like he fell into a hot topic. Okay, I am so <laughs> I have so many problems with what you just said because <laughs> it's basically you've equated scene with punk, and I'm all right. I'm moving on. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, here's the last two on the list. The, the, I don't know. Sherlock Holmes in the 22nd century had a kick-ass kick theme song. Kick-ass theme. <laughs> yeah, ah, yeah. I still, it's still, it's right up there with DuckTales. It's still in my head after all these years. Seriously, go look it up on YouTube and thank me later, or curse me later. I don't know which. Uh, the basically, premise is right there in the title. Sherlock Holmes gets, was he tragically frozen? I don't remember. But yeah, he, in the whole, he, he, his, his fight with Moriarty, he got frozen and then brought back to life in the 22nd century. He's got a cyborg Watson. <laughs> yeah, because well, they had Watson read all of the stories of Sherlock Holmes, so he would have the per he would have the exact Watson personality, and then they put a, fa a flesh mask over the top so that Sherlock Holmes would feel at home. And, Android Watson, yeah. And it was Moriarty was around, of course. Yeah, so. somehow. But basically, it was Sherlock Holmes stories, but set in the far distant future of the twenty second century. Yeah, that's all I remember of it. I, I remember uh, kind of liking it, but not enough to you know really want to pay attention to it <laughs> i liked it and it was i mean the ultimate problem with it was is like if you knew the sherlock holmes story you knew where the episode was going and i i don't know the future aesthetic is like an interesting take on sherlock holmes we haven't seen yet i mean we keep recycling the same variation of sherlock holmes which is contemporary so maybe take him back to the future maybe bring back sure uh android watson is problematic <laughs> questionable as that is also <laughs> So Sherlock Holmes is a real character, but they wrote books about him. Uh, yeah. Hey, they did the same thing in Logan, man. <laughs> That's true. But that makes more sense. I don't know. And then the last one on our list is Spider-Man Unlimited. Which is I basically mean, a continuation of Spider-Man 1994. I mean, it was different cast and whatnot. We've got to the future. Such a Venom. weird series. 
Yeah. I only remember the pilot episode in which he gets launched into the future with Venom and Carnage. And I remember going, who the hell is the red Venom? And my brother explained who Carnage was. And well, it wasn't very well, good. It only, it only had 13 episodes. It was not yeah. popular. Well, that's oh. the thing, though. It wasn't the future. NASA found a dupe, another Earth that just happened to, uh, to orbit the sun on the exact opposite side of it. Oh, <laughs> God, that's dumb. <laughs> and they, they send a ship there, and Spider-Man realizes, oh, Venom and Carnage are trying to escape Earth to go to other Earth, or maybe just sabotage the rocket ship. Uh, so he goes on the ship, too. And they find out that the other Earth is basically ruled by anthro uh, animal people, and humans are treated as like slave dirt people. <laughs> cool cons. This is an interesting concept, but I I don't think I ever watched past the first episode, which is saying something because I mean, yet Spider Man, Spider Man was popular. They gave him a new suit, if I remember correctly. It had wings. Well, it's because it's more like a throwback to his old suit, but... <laughs> yeah. Now, it's always reminded me more of Spider-Man 2099. I mean, it looks kind of like it, but... I mean, I don't have much to say about that. I remember... I think I saw just the pilot episode as well. I remember seeing an episode where the Venom and Carnage symbiote seemed to combine, and that was weird, but... Yeah. But anyway, it's a good word for the series. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. Just, it was weird. So it was like a weird, like, come down after talking about, like, Beast Wars and... And Animaniacs and stuff, but yeah, it's the last episode show we had to talk about, and no one has anything really to say about it except it was weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like um, at least an interesting twist is that it kind of set up the whole idea of like the people that Spider-Man saw as villains on the other Earth are more heroes who help him in this one. Like the Green Goblin's a good guy. Uh, J. Jonah Jameson's son, who is a an astronaut, uh, crash landed there too, and is helping the resistance fight against the animal people. A rat <laughs> lady has the hots for Spider Man. It's weird. I don't know why I wouldn't fuck. Something about when you say adjective people, it why is it so funny? You said dirt people, and I just can't stop giggling. <laughs> oh, yeah, just the human the human slave dirt people. They live below us, literally and figuratively. I need to look this show up now and see because it sounds <laughs> insane and weird and terrible. And I want to know what happened after that pilot that I just like, yeah, I'm gonna go watch Turbo, Power Rangers Turbo instead. That seems like a good alternative. <laughs> well, I'm, anyway, it's uh, at this point that we give our uh, our guest the opportunity to plug anything that they want to plug. <laughs> uh, continue watching uh, and listening Geeks with Shields. It's wonderful. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to get put back in the fridge. Oh, Maybe. Okay. <laughs> Well, in that case, we'll move right into our suggestions of the week, which we got to speed through because we are going way over time. Probably because we missed you, man. Missed you. Hooray, we had to have an episode it. with you. So I want to start us off. I want to start us really quick. There's a YouTuber. His name is Bricky. I watched him do two hour-long videos on every faction in Warhammer 40K. Go watch those videos. They're hilarious and informative, and I love them. Anyway, that's all. Ulrich. So as you know, we've been trapped inside. And that means plumbing the depths of Netflix animated shows for my daughter to watch because I'm trying something new called I'm not going to watch any of the shows that other parents warn me about. So no Paw Patrol, no Peppa Pig. And we stumbled across, I don't know how to describe this one. It's good, but it's weird. And that is Kippo in the Age of Wonder Beasts. 
we started we started watching this one because it checked off the boxes of bright colors and action, which that's always a given for. And the story is that 200 years into the future, most of humanity has died out or been driven underground, and the world is ruled by animal-human hybrids that you know roam above us that have all developed weird groups. You know what I've realized with just a second ago you said that? I feel like these shows need to expand their their periods of time because 200 years is not a long enough period of time for something like that really to happen. Say 10,000 years, and I'd be like, yeah, anything could happen in that period of time. But anyway. Yeah, if you can't, uh, 200 years is not the weird part. And again, this one was playing in the background. I was watching, you know, she was enjoying it. She loves it. And it wasn't until the fourth episode that I started paying attention, which was the introduction of the Lumbercats. Lumbercats. Which, which is the race of cat lumberjacks. All right. And there was a musical section, which the song is still stuck in my head. And it was at that moment I turned around and gave this show my full attention. Like, what is this insanity? And it's really good, but it's really weird. It's on Netflix. You got to watch uh-huh. it. It's it, it starts weird, but it gets really good. And this is coming from, again, the DreamWorks animation team, which as far as I can tell, they have yet to, you know, strike out in terms of Netflix and animation. And if you want to know the insanity that haunts my brain, just look up the song Nummy and Hammerpaw. Nummy and Hammerpaw, okay. That song has been stuck in my head for weeks now, and it summarizes the insanity that is this show. Okay, then. Moonfog, do you have a suggestion for us? Yeah. Uh, If you're interested to hear more information on some of the things we talked about, uh, a great source on Power Rangers, uh, just to get some more in-depth detail, is look up Linkara on YouTube. He has a wonderful series called History of the Power Rangers, where he does a, uh, a more of a deep-dive retrospective into each season. And for some other fun, uh, the YouTuber Pushing Up Roses has some great episodes on things such as Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark and a bunch of others that have been a lot of fun. I tested the quality of both of those. I have watched both of them, and they do do solid quality content, especially Linkar's History of Power Rangers. Oh, like yeah. If, if you, like, that is how I just skipped over, whenever I skip over Power uh, Turbo, it's like, I'll just watch Linkar's review of it. That'll give me the bullet points, and I can move right on to In Space. <laughs> All right, well, Woonvog, thanks for coming on and talking with us. We're definitely going to get you back on, you know, sooner. See, if always, more always a pleasure. maybe it'll be true. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go wait somewhere warmer this time. Maybe in the corner. <laughs> so there many are degrees more there. Cartoons to discuss. We we will have need of you again soon. So, anyways, thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, do all the stuff because without that stuff, we won't grow. And if we don't grow, then we die. And we are currently on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podcast, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. I'm running out of creative ways to do this bit, but. Hey, one of them is the one you're hearing us on, and that's really cool. I Tell us which one that is. I mean, you'll, I guess you'll see it in the numbers. But if there's another one you'd rather us be on that'd be easier for you, then tell us about that, and we'll look into it. As always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich. And his shield brother, Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable.